Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. This morning we're going to be considering the question, what is the truly loving response to gay marriage? Since the Supreme Court's ruling that our every state in our union must recognize same-sex marriage, there's been a lot of talk and discussion about this homosexual love. And I've heard people say, love has won. You know, what can be wrong with two people committing to live together in a monogamous relationship? I mean, shouldn't homosexuals have the right that you and I have to marry and live with someone in a marriage relationship? After all, isn't Christianity all about love? And should we not celebrate love anywhere we find it? And so if two homosexuals say they love each other, should we not celebrate that? How can it be that We who preach love cannot celebrate love between two homosexuals. Whether you find it in this nation or whether you might find it in another nation around the world. This brings us to our question today. What is the truly loving response to gay marriage? Over in Ephesians chapter 5, take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I believe the scripture will speak to this today as it speaks to all the issues of life. You've heard me say there's no book more relevant than the Word of God. Because it contains eternal truth. Truth that was not only true the day it was written be it 2,000 years ago, be it 3,000 years ago, it is equally as true today because it is the word of our eternal God, our unchanging God. Now, in respect for God's word, would you stand as I begin reading in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 5? Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk, or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral, or impure person, or covetous man, who is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly 
darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. You may be seated. Now let's begin with a framework of everything I will be saying today. First, God is love. Will you acknowledge that from your understanding of God in Scripture? The Scripture clearly says God is love. Now since God is love, all of His commandments flow from His loving heart. And so everything God commands is for the best of mankind because He knows what is best and His loving heart requires that He only desire what is best and therefore all of His commands come from His loving heart. The failure to realize this is because of our spiritual immaturity. Let's take it on a human level. You tell your kids, no, I don't want you hanging out with that person. You just don't want me to have any fun. Or, I just don't want you going to that place. I don't want you going to that dance or whatever. You just don't want me to have any fun. Right? That's That's the furthest thing from your mind. I mean, most of the things we do for our kids is so they can have fun. I mean, how many of you have taken them to Disney World? How many of you have taken them to Six Flags? Man, I remember how hot Six Flags used to be. I'd just sit up under that canopy. It was so hot. You think I was going because I wanted to go? I mean, we have gone to great lengths to do things so our kids could have fun. And yet, they want to say to us, you just don't want me to have any fun. No, you know the truth. You just want to protect them. You're just trying to do what's best for them. Well, same thing's true of God. I mean, when God tells us not to do something, He's not trying to keep us from having fun. He's trying to protect us. He's trying to do what's best for us. And so, when God commands anything, it comes from His heart of love. It is for our protection. And we need to remember remember that as we come to our passage today, because there's a clear command in our passage today. And that command is that we are to walk in love. See, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love. You and I are commanded as Christians to walk in love. Just like Jesus walked in love. We're to be an imitator of Jesus. Everything we do should come from a heart of love. Everything we say should come from a heart of love that's committed to be like the Lord Jesus. To be an imitator of God. Now, that brings a question though. What is love? What is true love? I mean, if I'm called to walk in love, our society is so confused on what true love is, 
I've got to spend some time defining it for us. Because there are people saying they're walking in love, and they're not. Not according to Scripture. So let's see what Paul says in these verses. He will tell us what true love is, and he's going to tell us what true love is not. First thing Paul tells us is that true love is a sacrificial love. See verse 2? And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice to God. Love is first of all sacrificial. It is a self-giving. It's a giving of ourselves to other people. It's putting our own wants and desires aside and thinking of others first. Just as Jesus joyfully went to the cross, though He despised the shame of it. He put Himself and His human interest apart that He might die for us. So true love is sacrificial. It means we've got to put ourselves out there and be sacrificial, be self-giving. Paul has just talked about this in chapter 4. And we'll pick up in verse 31. Remember there are no chapters in the original Bible. It just all runs together. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. Put it away. Be kind to one another, tender hearted. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. To be sacrificial in our love means we forgive other people. Even if they don't forgive us, you see. When you put yourself out there and you say, okay, I am going to be self-given, you're kind of letting your defenses down and that person might well reject you and might turn on you and you might suffer because of it. You know how that is, don't you? Because you cannot forgive somebody and keep the walls up. See, when somebody hurts us, we all just, just put up that psychological wall, right? And if we're going to forgive them, we've got to let that wall down. Well, when we do that, we're vulnerable. We open ourselves up again, and they well might hurt us. But true love is sacrificial. It's willing to put ourselves out there realizing we might be rejected, we might be hurt. Jesus put himself out there, and he was rejected. He's still being rejected, and he was hurt, even murdered. The next thing Paul does is he tells us what true love is not. Beginning in verse 3. But immorality, or any impurity or greed, must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. Paul says the positive aspect of true love is being sacrificial, putting yourself out there. But he says true love also is not immorality, impurity, and greed. Our world, our culture offers so many counterfeits to true love. They're nothing 
but lies. They're nothing but a fraud. Our world says that immorality is true love. Paul uses the word pornea. We get our English word pornography from it. In the Greek, it means every kind of sexual sin, be it homosexual acts, be it adultery, be it premarital sex. It covers the whole gamut of sexual sins. Paul is saying true love is not pornea. It is not sinful passion. Our world wants to substitute and offer immoral passions as true love. And it's a lie. It's not true love. God says the passions or feelings that a homosexuals have for each other is not true love, but simply immoral passion. God says the feelings that a married man has for another woman other than his wife is not true love, but nothing but immoral passions. But the culture has so caught up with the lies that they call it love. God says the feelings between two unmarried people that lead them to have sex before marriage is not true love, but immoral, sinful passions. But our culture is so ignorant, many Christians are so ignorant of God's Word that they've accepted that as love. True love waits. It waits to marriage. Paul says true love is not immorality, impurity, or greed. These passions are only counterfeits because they clearly lead a person to hell and not to heaven. Look at what he says in verse 5, just after he's talked about these. For this you know with Possibility with probability? What does he say? Certainly. For this we know with certainty. No and ifs or buts about it, we like to say. For this we know with certainty that no immoral or impure person, or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words. That is words that don't have any meaning because they're lies. Saying it's okay, this is really love. What's wrong with two people loving each other just because they're the same sex? What's wrong with a couple living together before they get married? For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So true love is sacrificial. And true love 
is never to be confused with immoral, sinful passions, feelings. Next, Paul tells us how true love responds to the world's counterfeit. And this brings us to the question, what is the truly loving response to gay marriage? Because we are commanded to walk in love. Paul tells us two things. First, he says, true love does not participate with those who do these things. With those who are involved in homosexual activity, adultery, immoral persons. Look what he says in verses 7 through 10. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. He says we are not to participate with those in these things. He says you're no longer in darkness, guys. You're born again. You're saved. You're in the light. Now you need to live like it. Put away the old sinful ways. Do not participate in their immoral, counterfeit love, even by association. I think this clearly means... That Christian, as a Christian, you're not to go to a homosexual wedding and participate in that celebration. How can you? If you really believe what God says. If you really want to act in love, how can you do that? See, the world's counterfeit says, oh, but why not go and, and just show them the love of God as you're there, by your being there? Well, because that's not... The true love of God. The true love of God does not participate. We're seeing it right here. No matter what the world might say, it's not God's true love. Because you are given approval by you being there. Now, if you want to go and hang a big sign on you that says, I'm against gay marriage while you're there, then hey, you might could justify being there. But if you're just sitting there, they're going to think you accept it. You're going along with it. You'll celebrate. A wedding is a celebration. So true love, first of all, does not participate. Not only not involved in the actual acts, but I think even by association. Secondly, true love exposes them. Verse 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead... Even, there it comes, expose them. Expose them. This word expose means to reprove. It means to convict of wrong. It means to show them that they're wrong. This word was used when John the Baptist exposed Herod's adulterous, incestuous relationship with his brother Philip's wife. Same words used when John the Baptist exposed him, called him out, is a phrase we like to use. Called him out on it. This is what the word means. You say, but preacher, how can that be loving for me to call it sin, to tell them this feeling you have toward this other guy is sin? Jesus was talking to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, look at what 
he says over there, and pay close attention to these words. Revelation 3.19. Those whom I love, I reprove. Same word. I expose. Those whom I love, Jesus says, I reprove, I expose, and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Jesus, who is love, says the loving thing to do is to expose the simple behavior. To expose it with the hope that they will repent. True love realizes that homosexual behavior is sinful behavior. And therefore, it is harmful behavior. And because it is harmful behavior, true love, in love, speaks about that sinful behavior. True love says what you're doing is harmful because it is against God's Word. It is sinful behavior. And all sin comes with a price. It may not appear on the surface, but there is a price. The wages of sin is death, destruction. No individual can sin with impunity. When you sin, you pay a price. In this life, there are consequences to sin. If you're not a Christian, there are eternal consequences to your sin. And for us to say nothing, that's not true love. That's not true love at all. Love demands the courage to confront false love and its fruits. So we must graciously, we must lovingly, but firmly confront their sinful passions for what they really are. Sinful passions that will harm them, and not only them, but society. We must lovingly call it sin. Gay love is counterfeit love. In reality, it is immoral passions. And love requires that we say to anyone who's committing immorality or impurity, be they heterosexual or homosexual, love requires that we confront them in love and say this behavior is harmful to you. It is against the commands of a loving God who gave those commands for our best. You are going to pay and reap the consequences of this. So we've got to speak the truth in love. They say, but, but we love each other. We just want to be happy. God says homosexual love is immorality. It is nothing but a fraud of true love, a counterfeit. But not only must we call what they're doing sin, but we must also tell them we've got the cure for sin. Don't just leave them in their sin. Oh, no. We're just telling them that so we can bring them the cure. 
Because they'll never look for the cure until they realize their problem is sin. And the cure is Jesus. He is the only one who can set them free. And He can. Homosexual temptations are simply a manifestation of the sin nature. Just like fornication, just like anger, hatred. It's just a way the sin nature is seeking to manifest itself in that person's life. That's all. And just like you and I have to say no to the desires of our flesh, they need to say no to that desire and trust God for the power to do so. Some of my favorite words penned by Paul are in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at beginning in verse 9. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkenness, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now here's the part I like. I didn't think I liked that first part, but I love this part. Such were some of you. <laughs> but you were washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Paul says, hey, some of you guys were like this, but God saved you. He washed you clean, made you white as snow. He sanctified you. He poured His Spirit in you. He justified you. He made you right with Him just as if you'd never sinned. That's where we want to bring them to Jesus. We're not having a condemning attitude. We're in love saying, look, this is not the way. This is going to end in ruination for you. It is a counterfeit of Satan. It's a lie of Satan that what you have is true love. But if you'll come to Jesus, He will set you free and forgive you and give you the power to resist that temptation to homosexual acts. So what is the truly loving response to gay marriage? To call it what it is. To expose it lovingly, kindly, but firmly. And seek to bring them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're not going to hear this on the news. You're not going to turn on your television to NBC News or 60 Minutes tonight and hear them say, well, let me tell you the truly loving response to the gay marriage thing. No. But for us who believe the Bible is God's inerrant, infallible word, the only rule of faith and practice, this is clearly what our position must be. And it is the most loving position. Tolerance of sinful behavior is not true love. Do you think when you tolerate your kids' sinful behavior, you're being loving to them? <laughs> not at all, and you know you're not. And when we tolerate sin among adults, you just say, well, live and let live. We've got to care enough to put ourselves out there. You remember the sacrificial part of love? Yes, you might be rejected. 
Yes, you might be called a, a Bible thumper. Yes, you might be called a fanatic. Yes, you might be called a lot of things. But you know, that's the sacrificial part of love. We've got to put ourselves out there anyway. And so, you know, this is not good for you. It's not good for our society. It's not right. And if they reject you, you must make sure you've spoken in love. You've spoken in kindness. You've been gentle about it. And then you pray and keep praying for them. That is the truly loving response that God commands us to walk in love. Let's pray. We do welcome you, and I'm glad that you have taken the opportunity to listen to a sermon on our Internet. And I want you just to know that uh, everybody in the church is not like me. Uh, I have these fellows up here, our leadership team. Uh, this is Filiberto Medina, who is our Hispanic pastor. And our Hispanic congregation meets every Sunday evening at 6.30. This is Paul Kumar. He is our Minister of Community Connections. Uh, and to my left is Mark Baker, who heads up our Reformers Unanimous Ministry, which is a Christian addiction recovery program that meets every Friday night at 7 o'clock. So if you live in the Mableton area, uh, and it doesn't matter what race you're from, it doesn't matter your cultural background, I want you to know you are welcomed at Westside Church. This is where everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. Hope you'll join us soon. Thank you for being with us for this message. Each week, Dr. Stewart gives practical applications and ways to live out the Word of God. If you would like more information, please take a moment to view our website at wbcfamily.org. That's wbcfamily.org. Dot org.